Welcome to the Strangeology Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Boren. From cryptozoology, ufology, and the paranormal, to legends, forbidden history, and more, listen in and explore the world of the weird and unexplained. Join me as I look into strange and fascinating tales and unearth the truths and theories behind some of the world's greatest mysteries. Be sure to head on over to our HQ, strangeology.com, where you can check out our blog, episodes archive, gift shop, sign up to our email list, and so much more. For daily updates, trivia, shenanigans, and the occasional giveaway, follow us on social media over Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And now, on to this week's episode. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the show today. This episode is going to be a little bit different of a format, uh, different than anything I've done before with the show. I've been warning you for a little while now, and uh, well, I, I finally did it, and I conducted my first interview. I had the pleasure of speaking with Nick Valenzuela from California Creepypasta the other day, and I think you're going to like this one. Just a quick heads up for audio quality. Uh, recording audio on Zoom, even with a decent mic, doesn't always turn out the best. And uh, I also made a rookie mistake and pumped the gain up a little too much on my audio interface, uh, probably because I was worried that my voice wouldn't come through well enough. So uh, my voice on this, uh, this interview is, is going to sound a little bit fuzzy and blown out at times. I, I did my best in trying to clean it up. But <laughs> you live and you learn, you know? Anyway, we're just going to jump right into it because this is uh, a long interview. So make sure to grab a drink or a snack and settle in because we get into some pretty interesting topics over the course of this interview and uh, stuff that will definitely make you think. So enjoy. Welcome back to the Strangeology Podcast, everyone. Today's episode is going to be a lot of fun. I'm super stoked to finally be doing my first interview. Uh, I have the honor of having Nick from California Creepypasta on the show tonight. Uh, I'll just do a quick interview uh, in intro here, Nick. And if I miss anything, just you know, let me know. <laughs> um, so uh, California Creepypasta is the brainchild of... Nick Vanzuela, hailing from California, of course. Nick has always been drawn to the Fortean world as far back as he can remember. Uh, California Creepypasta's mission is to go on adventures exploring the myths and legends of the Golden State. And Nick seeks to shine a light on the creepiest and darkest locations in sunny California and brings his findings and the stories to his audience. Nick is a graduate of the Warren Institute for Paranormal Studies and is a certified paranormal investigator. <laughs> so that's that's the intro there. How did I do? Did I miss anything? Or is there anything you want to add, Nick? No, man, that's awesome. That, that, that's me in a nutshell. Uh, awesome. It's more important than I probably actually am, but yeah, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> right, right. Well, again, thanks for coming on the show tonight. I'm uh, definitely stoked to get into some some questions, and we'll we'll see what see what's going on out there in the world of weird. Yeah. Uh, so I'm wondering off the bat, um, can you talk about 
you know, where you're from and, and how that's influenced the person you are today, uh, you know, getting into the paranormal and, the, and, and anything weird. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I grew up in the, in the early 90s, and I feel like that was a really sort of prominent time for just introducing paranormal media into young minds. You know, the X-Files was, you know, at its peak. Um, sure. Yeah. There was a TV show on the sci-fi channel called sightings, which was like the world to me that, that, that show changed my perception of the world, my life. I would, I would watch that over cartoons like any day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Sightings oh. was definitely always on the TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it just, it gravitated to me at a really early age. I recall being in like kindergarten, first grade and, and doing book reports or, you know, little, little uh, projects, whatever we would do. I would always try to integrate like a spooky theme or, or something like that. So it was just there from, from the start. I remember teachers uh, talking to my mom about like, well, I'm a little concerned that he's, you know, <laughs> in on this so much, uh, you know, so it, uh, you know, it, it started there. It started really young. Uh, I'm Mexican. That's my my background. So there's a pretty strong like folkloric history too to to just sort of growing up uh, the way I did. Uh, my family grew up near uh, this creek that was behind my grandma's house. That's where I, I grew up too. Uh, and they would always tell me the stories about La Llorona, you know, the the weeping oh. woman that would kind of come, uh, you know, walk down the the creeks and and kidnap kids, you know, look for kids. Uh, and as a child, I remember there were a lot of like stray cats in the neighborhood. Okay. So at night they would kind of cry and whine. Um, and it sounds like a weeping woman. So I would lay there in my bed, just like, Oh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That had to have been a, a trip growing up with those stories, you know, and always having that in the back of your mind, I, I would definitely, you know, <laughs> be unsettling to say the least. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, um, Later on, I felt like I almost had an experience with La Llorona in a, in a way as an early kid. It's a very early memory, and I can't honestly make heads or tails of it or know if there's anything real. But, you you know, I wonder sometimes about the, the idea being implanted into my mind and then sort of manifesting out, uh, you know, and that just sort of those early ideas really kind of stuck with me and, and went with me throughout uh, the rest of my life, which kind of helped me look at this subject, I think, in a more uh, macro kind of way to where I, I didn't really hone in on ghosts, aliens, cryptids, stuff like that. I, I tried to look at it in more of a, a universal way. And then, you know, as I grew sure, up, sure. I, I found Kiel and Valet and, and people like that. And, you know, that was really like the, the foundation for which I, I kind of started this whole journey. So, <laughs> Oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. I've, uh, I've recently been reading through uh, the Mothman prophecies by, by John Keel. And it's been really, really interesting. Um, you know, having researched Mothman and, and all that stuff, it's, it's really kind of like a bedrock of some of the modern um, Fordian uh, research, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's really cool stuff to get into, but um, uh, Nick, why the name California Creepypasta? Where did that come from? Right. So uh, Creepypasta is sort of a, a portmanteau, if you're familiar with the term, sort of an amalgamation of uh, two different words. So 
uh, when sort of like 4chan and, and Reddit and all that stuff were kind of coming up, uh, you know, there, there were a lot of these um, copy paste sort of stories, stories that didn't really have a, an original source. So they would call yeah. them copy paste uh, uh, and, and just kind of put them out there. As time goes on, eventually that progressed into creepy stories that, that had that real Blair Witch kind of feel to them. Like, yeah. you, know, you know, right? Like, yep. uh, you know, there's a, something happened that nobody can like uh, figure out where or why this came from. So that turned into creepy pasta from copy paste. Uh, so my idea was really to explore kind of that new digital age of, of these legends that are kind of out there. I don't even know if you can call them urban legends. They're more like online mm-hmm. legends now of, of California because there's so many things now that have kind of come out, you know, over, over the years that just sort of like pop up online and there's not really a source to where all this information came from. And I thought it would be cool to sort of, you know, just grab a camera, go out there and kind of uh, take everybody on the journey to, to go to these places and say, okay, well, this is where this reported thing happened. Uh, and this is where it is. So like for yeah. example, the Fresno night crawlers, you know, that, uh, you know, I, I kind of went out there and went to the yard. It's like, well, you know, there's no nightcrawler here, but here's the yard. <laughs> uh, they, they walked across. And I just thought that would be a cool idea to kind of, you know, just kind of go out there and give everybody these little bite-sized clips or, or pictures of uh, where these legends in the New Age kind of sprouted out from and, and even do some classic stories too. Sure, um, sure. And just kind of uh, show you where, where it all took place and went down. Um, so, you know, and it's all located in California. So California creepy pasta kind of rolled off the tongue there. Sure. Yeah. No, that's great. Thanks for that insight there, Nick. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I spent some time watching uh, your videos on your website, and I love how they're really kind of like short and to the point, you know, and you you get out there and you look at these locations, and uh, it seems like sometimes some interesting things do happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the the moment that you realized or or decided that the paranormal and the unexplained was like the thing in your life that was something you wanted to pursue and, and become a researcher and, and do all these investigations. It definitely, I had the bug early on in life. Um, right. And, yeah. And, and then, <laughs> but then, you know, you grow up and, and life happens, you go to school, sports, what have you, uh, relationships, all, all that kind of stuff kind of comes up and, you know, you, you find yourself sort of, going away and away and away from, from, you know, creepy times, spooky stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was probably around like 2009, 2010, where, um, you know, I I felt that, that kind of, you know, when you love something, it's, it's the bug, right? It just kind of, it's always there. It's going to kind of bite back at you. Yeah. Um, So I decided, you know, and this was kind of in the early days of, of, uh, you know, travel channel and all that stuff kind of like putting out um kind of that new form of uh paranormal documentaries and stuff so i, I was like let yep. me try this um so i got i grabbed i grabbed a group of friends this is about 2013 we went up to seattle washington and i tried to film like a, a ghost documentary of the seattle underground oh no kidding yeah uh, yeah which is like a that's stuff. awesome seattle's built on essentially like a ghost town there was a it is subterranean town below Seattle, uh, but it was at um, it was at uh, ocean level, so the town would flood, so they had to like raise it up and go. Um, 
So I, I, I tried to film that documentary. I, I put a bunch of money, a bunch of resources, all this time into it. And it was a utter failure. Oh, no. <laughs> it led, the audio was terrible. The, cam- the camera what it was like messing in and out with exposure. And it was such a, a humbling lesson of, you know, I really need to kind of like devote myself for a few years to, to focus in on these things and just really like build my knowledge of how to go about it first, learn all the material that I can. That kind of took me to the Warren Institute. And then also like kind of learn about electronics and, and filming. Sure. And these things. Yeah. So <laughs> I, you know, I kind of went away for a few years and honed those skills and came back. California Creepy Foss ended up sort of being the 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 brainchild of all, all of that. So um, it kind of came back around to answer the question uh, in my early <laughs> 20s and sort of uh, uh, turned into something in my late 20s. Nice, nice. That's uh, that's cool that you mentioned the uh, the Seattle Underground story. I actually had uh, taken a trip out to Seattle, oh gosh, about five years ago, and um, my my partner and I did the the whole tour. She she went out to um, to grad school out there, and uh, yeah, so we we walked around through all the different locations that they they allow the public to go into, and <laughs> and it's definitely a really creepy place. And there's a lot of cool history there for sure. Um, so as far as uh, the Warren Institute, I wanted to talk about that for for a little bit. I I'd, I'd never heard about it before. And I was like, oh, is this related to Ed and Lorraine Warren? And I think that was probably in my head because there's a few a few podcasts and um, other shows that I had watched recently that were, you know, doing kind of a docu-series or just talking about the Warrens and all their their uh, their work with demonology and, and investigations and stuff. But I looked into it and then it's like, no, it's this guy, Joseph Warren, doing this course. Uh, so how was that? How, how was the course and, and how has it helped you with your investigations uh, into the paranormal? Right. Right. And that's usually actually what, what I get a lot of is that, Oh, is it related to uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren or, or yeah. the, um, cause there's also some pictures on my um, Instagram where I went to the Warren um, house and yeah. Annabelle doll and stuff. Uh, but no, it's uh, it's actually Joshua P. Warren. He's a, he's a, writer paranormal investigator he's been on like a bunch of different tv shows lectures and stuff um so yeah this this was a few years back um and he put this course together and i had been aware of him for for a few years you know if you you look into this stuff you you kind of become aware of some of the more notable names and, and people associated with it um and i always really liked his approach i always found him to be a pretty knowledgeable guy no nothing too you know hard to kind of buy into uh, so he put together basically a course that covered um, ghost hunting, um, looking into, you know, the extraterrestrial hypothesis. And then he also put in um, some stuff on cryptids as well, and just sort of how to approach every subject. He kind of ended it with like psychic type of evaluations and um, you okay. know, the more in, interdimensional kind of ideas. Um, so it was a really cool sort of foundational approach to how to like, be a boots on the ground investigator and go out there and know how to ask the questions, where to go to ask the questions, how to do it in an appropriate way. Um, you know, and I found it actually very, very helpful. 
Um, you know, I think people sometimes have a, a funny opinion of anybody like ask, asking for money or anything for um, sort of paranormal advice, but I actually found it to be really, really useful. Um, you know, and at the end you do get like a little certificate and it makes you like a certified paranormal investigator, but it, it right. really genuinely does give you a very like strong foundation of how to be a boots on the ground type of uh, investigator, which has really helped when, when you kind of hit the road. I mean, there's sort of, um, there's inevitably like a traveling sort of, you know, very, very John Keel, like we talked about sort of way of just kind of like driving into a town you don't know anybody and you just sort of start going and asking weird questions and looking for stuff that it's a little off-putting sometimes for some yeah. people. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's nice to, to hear some advice from somebody who's done it for decades. And um, it, it, it's been invaluable for me. And, and it, it was also a really good way to kind of know when to sort of back off to of certain things. So it, it, um, it helped me a lot and it really helped me at the end of the day, sort of feel like, I have some, you know, some sort of credibility as far as like somebody I would consider an expert sort of giving me at least uh, some, some early lessons there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what was your, what would you say was your favorite part of the course? Uh, definitely the, the cryptids uh, looking into how to investigate cryptids. I mean, cryptids is probably going to always be sort of my, you know, that low, like first love. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, definitely that that you know that my ears kind of perked up extra uh, there, um, and especially at that time when I took the course, I felt like there wasn't a lot of uh, mainstream cryptozoology love. I feel like there's a lot more now, um, but back then, you know, yeah. it was sort of um, you know the, these fields tend to get divided sometimes, you know, a lot, and everybody's sort of like, eh, I don't really want like I don't want to associate my ghost hunting with the you know Bigfoot, you know, spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's definitely some different camps and fields of thought there. For Absolutely. sure. Yeah. Um, I, I remember looking, you know, on the courses, and there was one section uh, that was on on magic. Can you can you uh, talk about that at all? Like, how how does that factor into, uh, you know, paranormal or cryptid investigations? Is that you know, uh, is it more of a footnote to the whole course or, or is it kind of, a uh, a little bit more of a major player in, in that whole aspect? <laughs> I think what the course sort of brought to the idea of magic and this is magic with a K, right. It's sort yeah. of that, um, it, it kind of approaches it in that way where it's sort of this grand unifying theory of how everything might be connected. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there manifesting certain things and then things sort of, uh, you know, appearing, uh, the more, you know, you, I think we all kind of start these journeys looking at everything in a very materialist way. You know, the, a spirit is the ghost of, a, 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 or a ghost is the spirit of a dead person and aliens are coming from nuts and bolts craft from Zeta Reticuli or something. And right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Bigfoot is, uh, you know, is a hominoid, um, Relic hominid, that, that, you know, that's it's kind of just roaming the Northwest. And the more you kind of delve into the weirder side, the high strangeness of it all, the magic side starts to kind of pop up more and more. And you start to see where all this stuff sort of blends and, and, and associates and why sometimes you get a Bigfoot sighting followed up by a UFO sighting. And, you know, it's really interesting to be like, well, seeing a Bigfoot is 
really unique and then seeing a ufo is really unique but then to see them within moments of each other like and how many people say they see that it's like oh, there's an interesting correlation in that and you know you start to learn about magic and and you know the the manifestation of certain things it it, it ends up kind of being this this tying in factor to where maybe this stuff is all sort of related and there's um you know some odd things or, or people's wills sort of pushing this stuff to, to go forward uh yeah kind of ties back into like crowley and, and and all his sort of stuff so um yeah i think it was really important to learn that side to be able to look at everything in like i was saying kind of a macro way and seeing if there are any correlations to any of this 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 weird Fordian stuff out there sure yeah no <laughs> definitely <laughs> Um, now you mentioned uh, cryptozoology or cryptids it was kind of like your first love. At this point in your life, do you like what's your top three uh, between like cryptozoology, ufology, and the paranormal? And what's your favorite aspect of each? I know that's kind of like a broad, <laughs> wide-reaching question, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get weird. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think my the the number one answer there is my favorite thing to look into now is how they're all connected you know I, I I you know it's it's so hard these days for me to sort of sit back and be like oh it's all separated it, it just it feels so connected now um you know I think sort of the I think it's sort of um I think the phenomenon sometimes sort of presents itself to people in whatever sort of aesthetic that you like you know if you're more romanticized by the idea of spirits in a haunted house it may appear to you more in, in that sense, or if you're more of somebody that wants to kind of go out in the woods and, and camp and, and look for like these monsters and kind of be a badass out there, you know, it might show, <laughs> show itself to you as Bigfoot. Or right. you know, if you're a star watcher and, you know, you really, you really, you love science fiction on it, you might have an abduction experience, right? But it's all, I think the interesting thing is to see where it all kind of ties in and, and sort of the, the, the unifying things that, it kind of gravitates there like you were saying you were reading uh, the mothman prophecies that that's a like a foundational book for just high strangeness right it all kind of comes oh, yeah. together and you got mothman flying around you got men in black running around and poultry right. activity and all these alien oh, stories yeah. and, right injured uh, cold and <laughs> yeah all this yeah. crazy stuff and and the the phone calls from the dead or from the beyond it, it all kind of comes together it was driving kill crazy um, and I think that's what scares a lot of people is that, you know, the, this stuff can start to drive you mad if you if you really start to be like, what? it's all connected. And why, though? Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so separately, though, my favorite aspects of, of everything in cryptozoology is just, you know, it's it's just so cool to think that there's these like, you know, creatures out there that are just kind of hidden and and undiscovered and mainstream science doesn't you know really want to acknowledge them or think about them um because it kind of throws a, a wrench into you know everything that we've sort of foundationally believed in at this point um ghosts it's just you know spooky and cool man it's like the idea <laughs> of living in a haunted house is so cool and i i i absolutely love any sort of like victorian era ghost story um and yeah you know, and aliens and UFOs, I mean, come on, man, that, that's just, you know, that that's like the question of human existence. Are we alone? Right. So um, yeah, exactly. All that stuff is, you know, I, I eat it all up, but 
you know, I lean more and more to it all possibly being connected at the end of the day. Right. Yeah, that's definitely a a very interesting perspective on on the whole thing. <laughs> um, well, let's see what, what what's next here. We uh, we're wondering uh, what's your process for deciding what spot uh, to go and investigate next. Uh, do you have like a list of like a hit list of places, or do you just kind of something pops up and you're like, that sounds cool. I'm going to go check that out. And how do you prepare for it? So initially I I did have a list, like a giant list and I sort of sliced it all together into different sort of topics. Um, that was my initial approach. I just sort of, I, I initially spent like a year just investigating California going through, I used to work in a, uh, or I used to intern in a folklore archive. So I would look up all kinds of, at UC Berkeley. Oh, wow. And I would look up all kinds of different, like spooky folklore in California, find just really interesting stories. The internet, right? But, you know, we, <laughs> you know, we yeah. all go there for, for everything. Um, just different books I'd collected over the years. And I just spent a year just going through everything. And I made a giant hit list, like you said. But now I feel like I'm sort of transitioning more into an area where I, I go more based off of what I find interesting at the time or what it is that's sort of popping into my head and uh, what I feel I, I'm kind of compelled and drawn to, to, to investigate. So what's been more of the, the kind of catch lately is sort of investigating kind of this idea of the old gods and where they might exist um, within California and sort of in a kind of very like Indiana Jones sort of sense, you know, like, you know, you kind of get to travel back in time to these places and, you know, you're geographically traveling, but you're also kind of traveling back in time. So you'll right, be yeah. more stuff popping up for California creepypasta that kind of deals with like Lemuria with like Mount Shasta uh, up there and that whole story of the subterranean town and, or, you know, world of, of these ancient magical creatures. Uh, I've definitely been kind of delving into more of the missing 411 stuff and, you know, people vanishing in some of these national parks. Um, and just, you know, there's like this, this dangerous sort of travel element to, to it all that I kind of want to bring to, to California creepypasta. And, uh, you know, you know, kind of in like, a, like I said, Indiana Jones sort of sounds like a very yeah. kind of driven uh, thing. And I think that's sort of the next... Uh, evolution of what it is I'm, I'm trying to do. Um, and then there's a lot of Bigfoot stuff going on with me that I can only say so much about, but there's going to be a lot more of that kind of, kind of coming on. Uh, yeah. A lot of focused on Patterson Gimlin going uh, mm -hmm. out there. So, so there's definitely um, a lot of cool, fun adventure stuff headed, uh, headed your way on California creepypasta. <laughs> I, I dig it. I dig it. That's awesome. Uh, missing 411. Let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, have you seen the uh, like the comparison map between uh, all the different missing peoples and uh, Bigfoot sightings and yeah. uh, cave systems? What do you think about that? Do you think there's any uh, any credence to that that theory? You know what? It's it's interesting. Um, man, I gotta gotta tread lightly here. <laughs> there's a uh, that sort of ties into something I, I'm working on, but um, it's interesting. I've there's a I think there's a Penn State a PhD uh, um, 
candidate right now that sort of put together 93 years of Bigfoot sightings on a map and their correlation to population. If you look at that and then you look at the missing 401 cluster map and then you look at, uh, you know, the, the official BFRO uh, Bigfoot sightings and then yeah. like, you throw in the cave system thing there. If you overlap all that stuff, holy smokes, there are so many, so many interesting correlations there, uh, espe especially when you kind of look at the population aspect and then you look yeah. at um, um, uh, the Bigfoot sightings. And the cave systems, it, it's like there, there's definitely like a, a link there. Um, and it clusters even more specifically than I think uh, Politis has even kind of put out there in certain parts of, we'll just say, general California into Nevada. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I definitely think there's a correlation there. I feel like Politis... Um, David Plyers, who wrote who wrote the books, um, I feel like he's always a little hesitant to to make that connection. Yeah, it seems like he really doesn't want to uh, say this is what he thinks, like whatever the phenomenon is, which I understand, you know. <laughs> right, because he's dealing with families that kind of you know that come to him in sort of you know like the worst moments of their life where where somebody's yeah. But look, you look at his previous work, and it, it focuses in on on Bigfoot and the the Hoopa Reservation, um, uh, you know. And then also, you know, in in his documentary, he points out the Ron Moorhead and the Sierra sounds. Like, why would he have put that in there if he wasn't sort of drawing a, a conclusion there? He has a yeah. lot of stuff that deals with, um, you know, he doesn't specifically point out to it, but kind of has like fairy lore kind of tie tie-ins. Um, um, so like uh, like a lot of missing sightings end up happening around yeah. like berry bushes and stuff like that, which is weird. So he's like giving you little hints as to what maybe where maybe his mind is at, but I feel like he has such a tie in to law enforcement and you know yeah. more of a mainstream kind of credible system there that he can't. I think he feels scared to sort of go out and say some of the things that he's thinking. Uh, right. Like you know, then then it's going to turn into oh he's a crazy person, right? You know, which we all kind of have to wear that hat sometimes. You know, like <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, the Fay folk connection. That's that's definitely an interesting one. There's uh <laughs> Do you have any thoughts about that? I mean, you know, Jacques Vallée was a uh, you know he championed that stuff for years. Um, mm -hmm. You know that that's just you know the phenomenon kind of changes. You know it it. it presented itself as that when that was more of something that was palatable for the human psyche and the human mind. And now as we've progressed into a more scientific age, you know, now we see craft, you know, and, and we have the, but they're all abduction experiences, right? We all, those stories have so many correlations to being taken by a being. And sometimes now it's even like, you'll see correlations between UFO abductions and Bigfoot abductions. Uh, yeah, so it, all that stuff just kind of, you know, you, you look into it more and it, and it ties in more. Uh, um, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's fascinating. It's, it's definitely something to where I think, you know, it, it, like I said, it, it, it's, it seems to all be connected. It just presents itself in different ways. I posted a picture on Instagram a few months ago that was like, um, it was Jacques Vallée's uh, cover of Passport to Magonia. But it was sort of a um, uh, unreleased cover where it's the it's the gray alien and he's holding the different masks the, to which it sort of 
Or is oh, it yeah. Um, yeah. A fairy, an ogre, uh, another like being. Uh, and that's what the cover is. But then the unreleased cover is you see the bottom of the gray alien and it's a hand puppet. And there's sort of just this like spooky looking vortex kind of hand that is puppeting it. Yeah. So, like what is the actual phenomenon? Does it present itself in all these different ways? So um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of where wow. I am with the fairy lore is, is you know, it's maybe there's something more mysterious than we're ready to accept, you know, going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like the whole uh, truth is stranger than fiction type of mantra. Um, and like, yeah, the, that the whole aspect of, of the, the phenomenon kind of evolving over time is, is something that I've always found super interesting like it reminds me of uh and i think you did a a a video on uh the the airships from the late 1800s and it's like all these people before you know the wright brothers took to play and obviously there's probably some people experimenting and you know you have all the the people that try to make like bird-shaped craft that flew off <laughs> flew <laughs> off cliffs to their deaths uh their untimely deaths but then you know all these people were sighting these airships up in up in the sky and even further back in time to like the renaissance or to medieval times and there's paintings that show these crafts uh or the the battle uh where was it in nuremberg germany where they there's a uh famous uh painting where they're was this huge like battle in the sky and it's just like yeah this whatever this is seems to have it's been with us for a very long time and it's you know whatever it is you know however deep down the rabbit hole you want to go is <laughs> the question right yeah yeah so. definitely you know the buzzword now i think is consciousness and like are we as the receiver responsible for maybe 50 percent of it and that's why the phenomenon sort of changes and grows with whatever wherever we're at as a society or wherever we're at uh, mentally and, and how we can, how much we can kind of take in without our brain sort of melting into mush, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So that's I a was, question. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, you can, you can get pretty weird with it. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, recently reading, it was on Reddit, I think, and someone had some theory that was like, well, what about, what if the grays were, what if the universe is a simulation, like we're in the matrix and what if the, like the grays, Zeta reticulin, classic gray aliens are uh, beings from the outer world. And this is like their simulated world and they can come in and like mess with us <laughs> and like, you know, change their appearance and, and whatever <laughs> it's just it's such an interesting concept and you know definitely definitely could mess with people to the extent of maybe uh bringing in madness of of an of an extent you know <laughs> so it's definitely something to tread carefully and lightly exactly I, I yeah, definitely i mean nothing's off the table but then how far do you take it i think you know it, it's important to kind of leave it it's important to, I think, to take it seriously, but it's also important to make sure like you are still going to be a good father and pay your bills and, you know, and just like, you yeah. know, be a functioning member of society and not 
have this stuff drive you, you know, mad into the desert and, you know, living with in a chicken coop or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you're, if you're living in a chicken coop in the desert, you're probably not hurting too many people. Except That's yourself. true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Well, uh, so what, uh, Nick, what's been your favorite investigation that you've done so far? You mentioned uh, previously the, the Fresno Nightcrawler, uh, house that you you found the original location of I was like so pumped when you posted that and then you <laughs> uh, you had like the video and I think you were wearing one of my my shirts too if I remember correctly <laughs> yeah what's what's been your favorite thing so far that you've done well that was cool I mean that that one is one of my more memorable experiences just because the, the information for the house isn't available online it took that probably was the most homework i had to do to i was gonna out. ask like how did you how did you figure that out and i'm sure you have some connections and names like that you don't want to name or anything but <laughs> i mean it wasn't even so much that it was more of a of a just sort of cross-referencing a lot of things that in true california creepypasta fashion cross-referencing a lot of just online chatter and stuff and okay. there was the um, I guess I can name drop the show. There, do you remember Factor Fakes? Paranormal? Yeah, yeah, I do. And I remember the episode where they they tested out the whole <laughs> thing to try and debunk it. So exactly, I yeah. I had that episode, and gosh, maybe I shouldn't. Say, but uh, if you freeze frame at certain points, you can make out it's blocked. the The address and everything is blurred out. But if you freeze frame at certain points, you can make out the address of where they said they were. You can make up uh, the numbers to a certain degree, but you never see um, you never see a, a, a street name. But what you can see are the very first letter and the very last letter of the street name. And then I went in online and and, and cross referenced a, a bunch of other things where people thought it was and what area of Fresno they thought it was. Hmm. So just through putting all that together, a lot of Google Maps, a lot of things, I figured it out. And then I I pulled up a Google Maps image of the house, and then I compared it to the show, and it was the exact same house. Oh, I, was wow. like, I found it. Uh, so I went out there, and uh, you know, I, I, my buddy went with me. We we drove um, all the way out to Fresno. We got there. The sun was just about to go down. We like just got there. So it, there was like no nonsense. I booked it out of the car. We, we were like, let's start filming. Let's put everything together. And it, you start doing that instead of sort of treading lightly. That was a little bit more of an aggressive thing. I drew some attention to myself. So the neighbors sort of came out and, and uh -huh. uh, <laughs> kind of like, we're like, what are you, what are you doing? And in that moment, I thought the best approach was just to be completely upfront and, and to be honest. And I was like, Hey, in 2007, on CCTV, the person that lived here at the time thought they captured something that looked like a monster. And I'm just here to kind of document this is the location. I'm not going to say where it is or anything. I just want to show where it took place. And they all kind of, uh, they were a little aggressive when they approached me. And then when I said that, they all kind of got quiet and just sort of stared at me. And they, Ooh. there was a noticeable look of maybe a little bit of fear on their face. And they were like, mm. one of them sat back and was like, it was an alien. And that was his response to Oh, them. really? <laughs> and then they all opened up and just had, they were, they were talking about it. And it, it, I guess they had lived there since, since the time. And they talked about how the owner there was fearful of it and, and was deathly afraid and terrified of, of what he saw. 
Yeah, and so it just sort of it kind of came across as genuine, and yeah. I didn't really get that they were hamming it up or anything. So it, it felt genuine. You know what, what? What could you say? You know what you see on on the screen is pretty interesting, and, and their reactions seem to be pretty realistic. So uh, you know, it, it definitely for me kind of put me closer to to the mystery in a way. And and I was like, from what I can tell, this seems legit. This seems genuine, and that made me love it even more. I was like, oh yes, I want the Nightcrawlers to be real so bad. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's really cool because I I know the 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 skeptics uh, view of it is that it was just you know, a sheet or a pair of pants that was like hung over like a clothesline and then they, they get it the first time and it's a little awkward and then the second one's a little smoother and people have recreated it online to a certain degree. But I've, I've read and, and heard stories of, of people, you know, uh, up in Canada and also uh, elsewhere that have seen similar types of of creatures out there, so I think there there is some validity to to the story, and that's really cool to hear that you know the neighbors and even the homeowner himself, <laughs> uh, Jose was it I believe, uh, okay. yeah, um, that he was actually genuine genuinely disturbed by the whole <laughs> the whole thing. That's really cool to hear because you don't hear that uh, without you know being being a boots on the ground type of investigator that's that's really cool <laughs> that's, that's awesome there's, there's a lot of uh chatter online too that jose passed away so when i went there i didn't expect you know i was like oh this, this is the man passed away i saw yeah. someone walk out of the house right before we left and it looked just like him and i and i had just watched that factor faked episode hours before so his yeah. image was fresh in my mind because i kept replaying 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 and i was like god that looks exactly like the guy so unless he has a twin brother a relative that looks a lot like him, yeah they have just said like tell everybody i'm dead and please leave me alone and and, and i don't want to go through this um anymore uh so there's there, there's that part of to the mystery too uh yeah. and like you were saying you know a lot of people have, have tried to debunk it but that kind you know, I, I've sort of gotten past the point of really looking into to, into debunking stuff, which might sound uh, naive, but there's so many instances of, of the phenomenon just sort of negating itself. You know, I think that's part of it. I think there's something odd that goes on where it's just like, of course, we're gonna we're, we're gonna present it in a way to you that that looks weird or or, or something. <laughs> Right. You yeah. I think at the end of the day, you have to, which, you know, materialist science will never accept, but I think you really have to lean in heavy to the anecdotal stories. The empirical evidence is just going to be so few and far in between, and it's going to be, you know, so, so nitpicked. You know, you're going to have something like Patterson Gimlin, which was filmed on uh, the PJ film, which was filmed on film, you know, and it's in 67. Yeah. And to this day, it's still debated, but the more and more clear, 4k imagery we get you know the more it looks like something real but stuff like that is gonna be harder to get nowadays in the digital age where everybody can fake things so easily so um you know i think the, those anecdotal stories are going to still always be the the, the foundation of, of where all this stuff starts yeah it's it's such an important important piece to this whole thing to solve solve the puzzle <laughs> now, yeah um now my next question is uh you know not necessarily 
<laughs> uh, we're we're going to shift gears a little bit here. Um, you produce your own videos for your website. I'm curious, what kind of gear do you do you use? Do you do all your own filming, or do you have like you mentioned you have a, a buddy that you went out to Fresno with? But do you have like crews of people? Uh, or plans to like build a team for the future of California creepy pasta. For the for the so uh, to the first part of your question, the gear is like is very very bare bones. It is gotcha. a GoPro on a gimbal. It, it just kind of gives me. It shoots in 4K. It's really easy to take anywhere. I could be deep in the woods. I could be running down a street. I could go anywhere, and it, that thing is really easy to take. So that, that's number one. Um, uh, I have a drone. I have a, a Phantom uh, 4 uh, Pro. That, and that thing helps big time. You know, there, there's certain places you can't really get to without having the ability to fly. Uh, so uh, yeah. being able to take that with me is, is awesome. Sometimes that that is problematic, though, just because those things are loud and they draw a lot of attention. So when you're kind of trying to be very, you know, like a ninja just kind of getting in and out. Um, some of these more um, uh, places that you don't want to make too much of a, of a ruckus. Uh, that that it's it's an issue, but it's 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 super helpful. I think the nice. scary scariest moment I ever had with the the drone was flying it toward the Hollywood sign, kind of do oh, no. haunted Hollywood sign. And uh, there's so many uh, like FAA regulations I think around that sign. My drone started like freaking out and was just like your drone might be taken over by the FAA. And I had oh, to, wow. Yeah, it was kind of scary. Yikes. Uh, yeah. Um, and then, you know, just digital voice record, just anything that, you know, I can maybe catch, uh, you know, something paranormal or, or, or something with. I have an obelisk, Ouija board. You know, I just, I just try, to, I try sure. to bring, uh, like, as many just sort of, like, very basic tools to kind of get down there. Always got a baggie with tweezers for any kind of hair samples, anything like that. Um, but you know, a lot of the times it's 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 pretty much the GoPro um, and, and the drone. 99.9% uh, .9 of the time I go out, my, my buddy John goes with me. Uh, he, cool. he's, a lot of times he's the one that's actually filming these stuff and he always gets mad because I don't uh, give him a lot of credit. Uh, oh, like, yeah, okay. Film some of this. Um, uh, so he's definitely been super helpful because it's really tough to do all that stuff on your own. There are times I go out alone, um, and that that's interesting. And then there's other times I bring my friend Steve, my friend Rick. Um, so there's times I've I've definitely uh, brought other people. My cousin Marissa has gone with me. So it's a lot of just like close people to me that I can kind of like uh, ask for free labor from. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you yeah, go. <laughs> exactly. But there is definitely. Um, there's definitely a movement towards building up sort of a team and, and to a certain degree in, in regards to the newer thing that I'm sort of focusing in on. Um, there's a couple of people um, that I definitely have in mind for that. It's, it's just sort of more of, um, you know, everybody lives in different parts of the country. Everything's a little different. So, you know, there has to be sort of um, a functional aspect to it too. Um, but that, you know, that, that's definitely sort of, um, you know, all this stuff is, is kind of in the works. I, I just celebrated a, a year of officially launching this, this channel. So everything is to come. <laughs> yeah, man. Congratulations on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I recently just, uh, celebrated a year of strangeology as well. You know, it's like, 
you're into this stuff your whole life. And then, you know, the pandemic hit and then <laughs> it was like, oh, I'm going to go all in on this. <laughs> um, yeah. So you mentioned that you bring tweezers with you. Do, have you ever actually found hair samples or anything worth uh, bringing in to have like tested? Ooh, um, once, um, but, oh, I don't know if I can say that, but once, and <laughs> <laughs> it's, that was part of a project that is a little bigger than me, so I gotcha. can probably say so much about it, um, but when I've been doing California Creepypasta, um, I've yet to come across I've yet to come across any sort of actual cryptid evidence. I've definitely caught some weird like EVPs and stuff along the on the the ghost hunting paranormal yeah. side. Um uh but nothing so far, nothing has, that has struck stuck out um as being super noticeable for um the cryptid side of it all. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I remember early on when we first started interacting on Instagram. And I, I think I had mentioned uh, where I was from and you're like, oh, you're, you're from Vermont, like what? And uh, you mentioned you were recently up there uh, doing some investigations uh, around Lake Champlain, like looking for champ for a TV show. Uh, can you talk about that experience and uh, what that was like? Yeah, I, I probably can't say the TV show name or, or anything going on, but... Uh... Sure, sure. No, no problem there. <laughs> <laughs> when I get to enough, that I'll be very, very excited and happy to, to talk about that. Yeah, we we went out to look for Champ. Um, that was so awesome. That that was, I mean, sea monsters have always sort of been my uh, Bigfoot and sea monsters. Man, they, they kind of like gravitated to me very, very quickly. Um, you know, and Champ is our our American Nessie, right? It's it's sort of the king of American sea monsters. So I had never been to Vermont. I had, I had never been out to Burlington. It was, it was really yeah. cool to, to go out to Lake Champlain. It is massive. It is a gigantic place. Um, it is. <laughs> yeah. you, don't expect, you don't expect it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we took a boat out and we were out there for hours. I mean, deep into the evening. Um, nice. Yeah. So, I mean, and we just kept going and going and going. So it is, it is massive out there. You know, we did some, uh, I can, I can say, um, what can I say? Uh, Katie Elizabeth was out there with us. Um, who's kind of a famous, uh, champ researcher. Um, cool. yeah. So, so we were kind of leaning on a lot of her expertise, um, and, and kind of finding some, some hot spots where, where champ has been cited, um, kind of picking her brain about, about the subject, um, and then just talking to, to different experts in, in, in the area. Um, I think Dr. Marsden, who, who's kind of out there, she's kind of popped up on like Monster Quest and stuff like that. Um, so, so um, you know, it, it was awesome to kind of just jump into that world, really examine the Mansi photo. Um, nice. I'm not sure if I'm ever, if uh, I can almost guarantee that my little spiel on all that uh, probably won't make the cut of the show, but uh -huh. I sort of uh, threw out um, this kind of weird idea that the Mansi photo was sort of in a, in a weird way, um, the conclusion of what I thought was kind of a weird flap along Lake Champlain at the time. Um, you know, the very, very Southern point of the lake 
Uh, about a year prior to the Mansi photo being taken, there was the whole Bear Road incident with the Bigfoots and law enforcement and their glowing red eyes. Yes. And that that whole weird thing, that's at the very tip of, of Lake Champlain. Shortly after that, there were all these UFO sightings above uh, nuclear power plant installations um, in, in, a, in a town along Lake Champlain in, in uh, New York State. Uh, um, and then, uh, you know, at the end of that, that sort of continuation of those UFO sightings, you get the, the, the Mansi photo. And the way Mansi sort of described Champ, she describes Champ as moving robotic and that its mouth sort of opened in a very robotic kind of way and a bunch of yeah. water popped out um, or, or lake water popped out, which I just found weird that you don't get that description with a lot of sea monsters. So it, it seemed once again, like the phenomenon went in a weird way, you know, kind of, you know, so it's, it, you know, and it kind of makes you think like, okay, well, is, is Champ just a flesh and blood sea monster? Is Champ part of something even more, uh, odd you know and you get all the uh, the indigenous people's stories uh, uh, through hundreds of years beforehand talking about right. the monster so it, it was just it was a really cool experience to kind of be a boots on the ground person um to go out and look for just you know a really really interesting legend and, and champ and so champ has a special place in my heart uh, for, yeah you know, i have a little plushy champ here in my room <laughs> nice nice <laughs> that's awesome yeah, uh, I mean, having lived up here for as long as I have, I've actually never tried to go out and do any uh, investigations to, <laughs> to see. I should probably invite like Alex Petikov to come up from New Hampshire and <laughs> show me show me some ropes because he he's he's done some some stuff on Champ and uh, did like a docu series on on that. So no, yeah. that's really cool. Thanks for. Uh, telling me what you can tell me about that <laughs> yeah <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you actually make it on the show do you have any idea when that might uh be coming oh, out I, yeah i mean i'll be on the show definitely like i'm oh, okay <laughs> hosting the, the show um so uh, uh as far as when that's coming out i i've heard rumblings of possibly this late this summer august september something like that but gotcha. you know that, that's that's a that's a whole pay grade higher than me. That you know, as far as getting those answers. So, um, you know, we'll see. I, I'll definitely um, be very excited to to talk about that when when that comes out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that's a uh, you know, I, I think the show is definitely um, took a really interesting approach in, in trying to solve the mystery, and, and I'm excited to share our answers with with everybody when they when they come out, so we can get some conclusive stuff about champ <laughs> awesome well I, I can't wait to check it out and i'll definitely be sharing it to my page for sure oh, when, it, when it comes out yeah um so we we briefly touched on ghosts before um and there's so many different theories about what they are you know from spirits of the dead to like interdimensional beings or uh something that I've always found really interesting is uh, it's like a, could be a recording of the past through uh, some environment, environmental factor, like quartz crystals. What's your take on that whole thing? Man, you know, ghosts are, that is, that is a tough subject. You know, like, like I said, it, it's uh, one of those things where now I lean a little bit more towards the phenomenon sort of presenting itself to whatever people think, is sort of the aesthetic that they kind of subscribe to. 
But I, I think both could be true. I, I also think that a, a ghost can still be the, the spirit of a dead person that, that has the unfinished business kind of story there. Yeah. I, it is so, that is such a difficult question because there are so many odd ghost stories and, and why all this stuff um, kind of always sort of comes back to that. I think Whitley Strieber's wife, Ann Strieber, who, Whitley Strieber from Communion, who wrote Communion, she yeah. had a, an interesting idea that, that um, all this stuff, the, the abduction phenomena, all that was tied to the dead. She, she kept talking hmm. about how, you know, the near-death experiences and all, all, all that stuff, it all dealt with the abduction scenarios and, and it tied back to the dead. So I think there's something cosmically tied to, to all this stuff to where hauntings... I think have more of a purpose than maybe just uh, spooking us, you know, like scaring us. And, and I, I, man, I would love to, to know that answer and kind of hone in on it more. But I think, I think because one scenario exists, doesn't negate the other one. I think a ghost could just gotcha. like said, and yeah. go from the past tied into the quartz crystals or just the spirit of a dead person and also be utilized by whatever bigger phenomenon is kind of going on out there. So that's sort of my take on ghosts. Uh, and I just classically love a good ghost story too. I mean, that's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't we all, don't we yeah. all, uh, you recently posted about the Sierra sounds and compared it to barbarous words. Now the Sierra sounds, uh, for anyone, who's unfamiliar with them out there uh, were, were recorded in the, the 1970s. And uh, it's basically a bunch of like unintelligible words and sounds coming from the wilderness in California, which are largely believed to be uh, Bigfoot. And it's a really compelling uh, audio recording. And as far as I know, I don't think anyone's ever debunked it. And it seems just about as legit as, uh, the Patterson-Gimlin film, but I've never heard about it being compared to barbarous words before. Can you can you tell my audience what barbarous words are and what kind of, how did you realize there was a potential connection uh, between the two? So there's, uh, so barbarous word are, barbarous words and barbarous names that kind of go by the same um, phrase there uh basically uh incantations used in, in, in magic which are just sort of gibberish words but if you use them in the in the appropriate way the words of power and they the, you know they help um evoke magical goings on uh so it's uh it's used often in in, in kind of like rituals or spells uh to to manifest things uh, so there's there's an odd correlation there that kind of the sounds similar to sort of the the Bigfoot chatter in uh, the Sierra sounds. There's a, a cultist named uh, I think he's a journalist as well named Ren Collier who sort of put that idea out there online and uh, there was a couple of different like chats and stuff that that kind of like took that apart and analyzed that. And there were a lot of really interesting comparisons there to to what it sort of sounds like. I did my best to put out a video to, to kind of compare, compare the two. Uh, but Barbara's word is sort it's, it's kind of a hard thing to sort of nail down um, mm. in audio form. Uh, but I think there, there's definitely something to that. Um, and just 
if you look into Rod Moorhead, who, who captured the sounds, he's definitely somebody now who leans more towards, he's very big on like quantum Bigfoot and, you know, and interesting all that stuff. So he's more open to, to sort of these bigger ideas of what was going on out there. They claim to have seen some of the, the Bigfoot creatures, but they, there's a, they never were able to capture them um, on any sort of visual format. But the audio right. is, is really compelling. Uh, Scott Nelson, who I think is a, like a crypto linguist for, for the Navy or the Army or something like that, has analyzed them and basically came to the idea that whatever we're making those noises it was past the the human capability of a vocal range of, of, of noises. And uh, since he's a crypto linguist, he was also able to pinpoint that there, there is a conversation going on there. There, there is a communication kind of go, going back and forth. So what is it, man? That, that that's a really weird, and they're creepy too. It's a really, yeah. creepy, uh, thing. just imagine being out there in, in the Sierra Nevadas, which is California. Uh, yeah. I would love to find where that location is. No uh, kidding, right? Yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely check the check out the Sierra Sounds people if you <laughs> haven't heard them. They're creepy. <laughs> yeah, so it's a it's definitely there's something to that man. That no, those those noises, um, gosh, they they just do not sound normal. And, and you know, with all the facts kind of pointing to to what it could be. You know, it's it's uh, it lends to the weird Bigfoot stuff that I think is really my favorite topic right now. It's just weird Bigfoot. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it reminds me of uh, hearing and I didn't hear about this recently, but in in the Patty film, there was uh, I guess there Patty was like mumbling something as she was walking away from uh, from the guys when they were filming it. And <laughs> I was like, oh, man. And then I recently, uh, a little while ago, I did a, a listener uh, story episode for the show. And um, one of the submissions was from this guy. And he was out in, in the woods. And there was um, some kind of squatch activity going on. And I think it was him and his father and they were walking towards the road from this trail in the woods and they could hear this strange like vocalization, like someone or some people were talking, but it wasn't, it wasn't English. It wasn't anything they could really understand or make out as like a human language, which was really interesting to me. So it's like Bigfoot language, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. And there's there's even crazy stories about Bigfoot mimicking people, Bigfoot making baby cries, uh, the sounds of like car doors closing in the middle of the wilderness, like just really weird things that um, from what I understand, I, I think the what I've heard, the BFRO tends to keep those in like kind of an other file, the, the Bigfoot research uh, organization, field research yeah. organization. They like to keep that in a, in, a, in a different file because it just doesn't really fit the classical relic hominid sort of approach of, of Bigfoot. Um, but there's, you know, you add up all that evidence, man. It's like, okay, there's something weird and creepy also going on with Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah it's weird for sure. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, we're just about at the top of the hour. Um, I've got a couple of questions uh, that my followers and, and listeners um, shot over to me. Um, so I'd like to go over those 
now, if you don't mind. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so we have our first question here is from Ice Age Man, uh, Powboy seventy eight. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. Uh, they ask, uh, "What is your favorite cryptid?" I mean, I, I think it's. And in the past, I've said Champ just because I got to go so in depth into 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 the world of Champ, uh, with, you know, an opportunity that you know is, is rare. Um, but man, all, all the weird Bigfoot stuff now is just you know I'm leaning back into Bigfoot being. <laughs> it sure. was such a generic answer, but like it, I want to say weird Bigfoot, especially it, it, I think is my favorite cryptid. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go Bigfoot. You know, there you go. There's there's. Uh... There's nothing wrong with with going for for the big man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. All right, our next uh, question is from Ghost Girl three twenty one, and she asks, uh, "What is your number one place you want to visit?" And as a follow up question, have you had any paranormal uh, Bigfoot cryptid sightings? Oh boy. Then so the number one place I want to visit, which I'm going to get to visit um in July, is the original location of the Patterson Gimlin film. Uh, nice. I'm going up there with the uh, with Tate Hieronymus, who you know we kind of we both know from the yep. house. <laughs> shout shout out to you, Tate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shout out to Tate's an awesome dude. Um uh so I'm a soup I'm super excited about that opportunity. And so I've yet to have a paranormal Bigfoot experience where, you know, I see a Bigfoot or something, or, or you know, I get some class B sort of wood knocks or, or orbs of light or something weird, but yeah. I would love to Someone have that. a brick at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have that experience uh, out there. I think Tate was telling a story about how, um, I think it was like, uh, man, I forgot what Bigfoot invested. Cliff Berrickman, I think, was, was saying... Um, how he would love to go out by just being a Bigfoot, just smashing him against a tree. <laughs> that would be his, his most ideal way of dying. Right. And, uh, and Tate was like, yeah, I can see that. I was just like, well, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe not that experience, but definitely a paranormal Bigfoot experience would be would be awesome. No no Willow Creek for me. I'd, I'd like to go home. <laughs> for sure, yeah. Um, all right. Cool. Uh, our next uh, question comes from Wandering Neighborhoods, and they ask, uh, what's one place on your list to investigate next? Obviously, you know, going to where the, the PG film was done, uh, but, you know, what's, what's another spot that you're hoping to hit up? Definitely. I think the next big spot for me that I, I would love to really – spend some time at and deep dive into is Mount Shasta. It's because, yes. so yeah, so much with Mount Shasta. There's so many weird stories. You got the missing 411 stuff out there is, is really prominent. Lemuria, the, the whole lore behind the, the, the underground town there. And then just, you know, Mount Shasta is kind of one of those places that's sort of like Sedona. You know, it's, it's almost like yeah. a window area, right? Where it feels like an area of high strangeness, a point pleasant, some, something like that where it's just, the veil there seems to be thin and there's so many odd and interesting things. Um, and then there's also plans um, soon to do, um, to go up actually outside of California uh, and go to East Eddy Ranch up in Washington state. Uh, ah. 
Yeah, by Mount Adams, where the, the ranch is like famous for Bigfoot sightings and, and the UFOs kind of just shooting out of Mount Adams. Um, yeah. Uh, I've been talking to um, um, Amanda from Pretty F and Spooky. Um, she's up there in Washington and maybe doing like a, a collab thing. So that that would be cool. Very cool. It's Very cool. Down. Nice. Yeah. Mount Shasta. That's <laughs> that seems definitely like a cool place to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, right on. Um, all right. Uh, a couple more questions here. Uh, we've got Eric from Wildcard Journeys, uh, and they ask, uh, what's the one paranormal investigative technique or tool that you would not use and why? I would not use? Interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting question. Yeah, that's a good good one, Eric. Um, I guess one, one that here, – here's – I guess it will be more of a technique – Anything that's sort of, and this is sort of in the vein of legend tripping, where it's like, go go to this grave or something like that and, um, you know, sit on the grave or, like, spit on the grave. Something that just kind of has, like, in order to complete the dare or, or the legend trip, that kind of comes across as disrespectful in a way. Um, I would draw the line there. I I, yeah. I I would definitely, I'm game for almost anything. I would do... Pretty much anything. I've crawled into caves at 3 a.m., you know, looking for <laughs> the ghosts of Jack Parsons and, and weird stuff. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, all of you, you won't go like full on Zach Baggins and, and try to threaten ghosts and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, prob- probably not. I mean, uh, you know, I feel I, Ghost Adventures is like one of those things where it, it gets a lot of hate. But man, I think we all secretly kind of love Ghost Adventures. We like, oh, hell yeah, especially dude. Especially <laughs> right? Like, you know, so Zach, Zach's cool to me. It's I, I get why he gets a lot of hate, but yeah, yeah. it's entertaining. I lo- yeah, I loved his Tiger King uh, special that he did. <laughs> that, yeah. was, that was bonkers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah, that's probably where I would draw the line. Is anything very disrespectful? Sure, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then we've got uh, one final question for uh, from Marissa Mars, and uh, she asks, "Have you ever seen a real ghost?" Ooh, okay. Um, uh, so the answer to that is I don't know. The, uh, that actually ties into a, what I talked about at the very beginning of the. Um, uh, podcast of the La Llorona thing um when I was about three or four this is like prior to kindergarten I remember waking up and uh seeing a woman sitting at the edge of my bed so you're so young and it's so hard to know yeah it's completely white about as white as a sheet of paper her eyeballs were white and her hair was white I recall that super vividly and I'm also somebody that can't remember my dreams very well at all like I can't I honestly can't remember a single dream, maybe outside of like one or two dreams in my entire life. So the fact hmm. that I remember this very vividly gives me pause. And she told me that she was going to be my mother now and that she was, uh, that I needed to follow her. And that ties in with the La Llorona legend. And we lived right behind a creek and I was Hispanic. And oh. I, right exactly and i wasn't yeah. aware of that legend yet at that point in my life yeah. it wasn't until i grew older that i kind of put two and two together i was like wait a second oh my gosh and um um 
so it, it, it was one of those things where I was just like, you know, maybe I, I, I don't know. Uh, That's uh, wild. <laughs> tied up. And I remember I, I recall bolting up out of bed and running down the hallway. And one interesting note about that is I remember as I'm opening the door to run and I remember this, this is probably the most vivid memory of it. I remember as I'm opening the door, I could see her still there in the periphery of my eye. So it wasn't like, oh, I had a dream and it, it was, you know, like a kind of hypnagogic sort of thing and, I, and I'm moving now and it, and it goes away. I remember she was still sitting there as I'm moving and kind of like checking again. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, La Llorona was going to yeet you into the river. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. Oh, man. Cool. Well, that was that was a really cool uh, story. Thanks for sharing that, Nick. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're just about uh, going to close up with the regular show. Do you have um, any book or, or documentary recommendations for uh, folks who are new to the Fordian world and looking to learn more? Definitely. So there, there's been a book series or two books that have come out recently that I just um, have devoured and, and I think have pushed me into more of the like weird Bigfoot genre. And they're... Um, where the footprints end, volume one and right on. Two. Yeah. Uh, Joshua Cutchin and Timothy Renner. Those, these, there, there are two books and they kind of, one's like folklore, the other's evidence. And they, so there's folklore and evidence in both. Um, those two books, man, they're, they are awesome. I, I, if there's any book to read, man, that, that, those are the two that, that I definitely recommend. Um, and, uh, one more just kind of to, to, to throw in there. Um, Strange Intruders by David Weatherly. That's a really cool book for just high strangeness and like weird topics in, in, in the paranormal and, and just the, the whole Fortean world. So uh, those would be my, my top three recommendations for, for sure. Of uh, If you really want to just jump into the weird side of all this stuff, th those three are, are huge. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely check out those books, everybody. Um, Cool. So uh, before we uh, close out the show here, uh, Nick, can you tell my listeners where they can uh, listen to and, and follow your projects uh, online or on social media? Sure. So social media, I think that the, the most up-to-date place you could find me is uh, Instagram at California Creepypasta. Also my website uh, at ca or CaliforniaCreepypasta.com. Uh, you can kind of direct message me from, from there or, you know, um, send, shoot me an email. Um, Instagram is also a really easy way to get a hold of me. Just, you know, kind of shoot a DM or make a comment. Uh, and that's where those are going to be the two main places you're going you're gonna to find my stuff. Um, there will be more projects and bigger things than me coming out soon that I'll definitely be able to, to talk about a little bit more uh, when that time gets here. Um, so there's a lot coming down the road. It's, it's, you know, the, the weird is just getting started and, uh, you know, I, I'm definitely happy to, to get to share that stuff with, with people like you, Jeff, and everybody that, you know, met through Instagram and, and just through the different paranormal channels. So it's, it's just been life changing and fun and, and, and I'm just having the time of my life here. Right on. And that's the most important thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for uh, coming on the show. And uh, this has been really, really great. Uh, <laughs> I'm super, super pumped. This is, you know, like I said, my first 
my first interview for the show and uh, this couldn't have gone better. So it's been great to have you on. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed the episode today. Um, and uh, Nick has agreed to hang out for a bit after the regular show to uh, talk about some more weird stuff and high strangeness. So for uh, Patreon members, uh, definitely stick around after the, the break here, and uh, we're going to get into some more weird stuff in just a little bit. All right. Thanks again to Nick for coming on the show and being my very first interview and, and being willing to be my guinea pig of sorts. <laughs> also, for letting the audience know what he's all about and some really interesting perspectives on cryptids, aliens, the paranormal, and the nature of reality. Some really great stuff for sure. Definitely head on over to his Instagram and follow California Creepypasta to keep up with Nick, and it sounds like he's got a lot of cool stuff coming in the future, so stay tuned. All right, quick shout-out time. Uh, producing this show as in-depth as it is wouldn't be possible without the help from my patrons. So shout out to Alex Dorgan, Alyssa, Robin from the Mystic Novelty Company, Christine McTire, Chad from the Appalachian Huntsman, Michael Waddell from MetaZoo Games, Greg Morrill from All the Weird and the Order 66 podcast, Roberto Martinez, Sean Cologne, Miranda Jarnot, John Hickenbottom, Sarah Scherg, and Maureen. If you'd like to become a patron and support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash strangeology and definitely check out all of the membership tiers for some really cool rewards. For example, those on the higher licensed strangeologist tier will receive a rad vintage decoder ring inspired enamel pin uh, designed by yours truly, uh, along with so many other awesome things. You can support Strangeology for as little as $1 a month as well, and can get a shout out on the show and any YouTube videos I produce. And as always, for regular listeners, thank you so much for listening and sharing the show and liking what I'm doing. You're all awesome, and it means the world to me, and your support is so, so great. If you'd like to get in touch with me, my DMs are always open, or you can send me an email at strangeologist at gmail.com. Also, be sure to check out strangeology.com, my headquarters and my blog site to keep up to date with that uh, also to sign up for my newsletter and more don't forget to follow me on all the social platforms as well uh, instagram facebook twitter uh, and tiktok as well i recently created a private listener group on facebook so definitely join the party there and if you have any personal stories of encounters with the strange and unexplained Call into the Strangeology hotline at 802-448-0612. Again, that's 802-448-0612. I'm hoping to compile a collection of cool stories for an episode in the near future of uh, listener-submitted stories, so call in if you've got something. There's a three-minute time limit on the voicemail, so 
If the story takes longer than that, just call back and leave another message picking up where you left off. All right, and that just about wraps up the regular portion of the show. Uh, for my patron members, uh, please stick around after the short break for the Strangeology Beyond segment of the show. Uh, Nick and I are going to get into some pretty pretty weird topics and a lot of high strangeness. I think you're really going to like it. So, again, thanks everyone for, for tuning in this week and checking out the show and, and always supporting what I do here with Strangeology. So, until next time, take care of yourselves and each other and keep it strange. So welcome back, Patreon members, to the episode, and thank you, Nick, again for hanging out tonight uh, for a while longer to share some stories. I think we're just going to let it flow for a bit and see where this takes us.